Josh, welcome again to your podcast <laughs> that I wasn't involved in. <laughs> yes, correct. And I don't actually recall why that was in the end. I we don't have to relitigate that. But... Okay. You've got a a technical man on today. Yeah, which... and I, maybe can you tell us tell me the truth when I brought up the fact that Jason Cartwright was coming on the show and I think you may have worked out later that you knew who he was, but yeah. to begin with, did you understand that we weren't going to have a super boring kind of tech geek nerd on the show? Because I didn't, I'd never met him or spoken to him, so I was, I'd was, only seen his content. Without connecting that it was someone that I'd already met before, I just thought, oh, I've got a Josh and I've got another tech guy. That's how I feel every time you're on an episode. Oh, gosh, you're still on the audio. How am I going to cope with this? How can I possibly lift this to a level yeah. of excitement? It turns out I didn't even need to because I wasn't even here. Yeah, you both thought correct. that I was the uninteresting one. <laughs> so one thing that was exciting for me, I guess, was knowing that obviously I've got my central interests, mm-hmm. comedy, tennis, watching television, playing guitar. But I've also got a somewhat it's of an quite intri- a large central. Yeah, yeah I've got. Well, you should know that yeah. I've multivariate Books. brain, and I can't focus on anything for any length of time. Yeah. But I also have somewhat of an interest in certain technology, including Apple. Yeah. So I knew that having Jason on was an exciting thing, as far as I could probably talk about things I wouldn't normally be able to. Yeah. And I just on recommendation of a friend, I'd also heard that the guy's pretty fun and kind of different than a normal boring tech person, which was also exciting. And that's the only reason I had him on because I thought it's going to seem a bit weird, me and you talking, and then yeah. going to someone that maybe is even lower energy than I am. So Yeah, no, it was... It was... It's a risk. We, we play big risks here at Punching Sideways, so... Should we start gambling on our risks? Correct. We need coffees for that shit, though. Yeah. <laughs> Get on to buymeacoffee.com. Follow yep. all the links that Josh will tell you about. The punching, punch, sideways, punching sideways. Click the button or buymeacoffee.com slash Joshua C. Liston is the direct address. I'm only interested in the coffee part, though. Yeah, I can tell because <laughs> every time we do that, you're like, oh, do they need more web addresses? If Mel said the correct address the first time, <laughs> I would never have to actually bring up that you can click a button at the website. <laughs> yeah, righto. We've all got stuff to work on. We've all got Josh. our stuff. <laughs> you just did a hand twist. <laughs> Well aware of my shortcomings, yeah. and that's also I am short. As you are, well as. yeah. And let's not touch the second half of that. No. So, Jason Cartwright from Tech AU. Yeah, Tech it AU just sounds boring. It does, but he's making really interesting content, and he also has a really high level focus on cars. So uh-huh. probably the least boring part of tech is cars. Yeah. So I'm sure that that may or may not come up. I'm going to be trying to make it come up. <laughs> Because he is a big Tesla expert. So. Oh, Tesla. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Okay. Let's let's hear it. Okay. Make sure you buy us a coffee so I can get Mel some kind of, I don't know. She needs, sounds like she needs some interest in her life. So. <laughs> More, yes. Yeah. Well, I won't even lean into yeah, that other don't. sort of interest that I need right yeah, now. Yeah, correct. We're in ISO too long. <laughs> that would be good. If you did it, buymeacoffee.com slash Joshua C. Listen, this is Jason Cartwright from Tech AU and going by my friend Benny. Shout out to Benny. This guy is really interesting and it should be a good conversation. Let's do it. Cool. Righto, everybody. We're here with Jason Cartwright from techau.com.au who is based in the Albury-Wodonga region and is one of the few bloggers that I know is based around here and content creators, but also is doing it at a pretty exceptional level. So welcome to Punching Sideways, Jace. Thank you very much, Josh. Excellent. So TechAU, I've I've been aware of yourself and some of the stuff that you do because you've got a pretty strong Twitter presence locally, but... To be honest, until one of my, our mutual friends, Benny Dale, who I don't think will mind me mentioning him, he said, oh, I work with I this guy. I love that. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I work with this guy that's really interesting that makes content and creates stuff. You might want to talk to him. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's the connection. <laughs> that's who that person is. So do you want to tell us what your website is and 
maybe what it is that you cover and then we'll dig in a bit deeper. Sure thing, not a problem at all. Yeah, so TechAU, obviously the name generated from tech being technology and AU being the country code. So that wasn't an easy process by any means when I started the site to, to actually track down a decent name and something that was available. And at the time we got started on, it was techau.tv uh, because of Twit TV, basically it was was a pretty big influence at the start. And, and TechAU initially was a podcast, a video podcast, and that morphed into what it is today, which is a, a site that covers technology. And because I run it, I get to make the editorial decisions, which means I get to cover anything I really find interesting and anything that is new and different and innovative and, yeah, that I think people will appreciate learning about. And over the years, it's been about 13 years now since I started the site. And it's just, yeah, it's it's probably one of the longest in Australia, one of the ind- longest independent anyway. And there's been certainly a lot that have come and gone in that time. But uh, it's, as you mentioned, it's it's social media is, is a huge part of it that keeps me going and, and driving that interaction with the, with the community. It's it's the opportunity to, to get access to some of the latest products and review them. Before the, the COVID thing happened, uh, it was a great opportunity to go to events. And, and I've been very fortunate in the, in the time that I've been doing TechAU that companies have flown me all around the world. So that is something certainly I never expected to, to be an outcome of starting a WordPress site one day. Right, there's a whole lot in that. So Jason said he's aware with how the show works. So it's tangent central. So I might just dig in on a couple of tangents there early on. Go for it. <laughs> so the first one is that it started out as kind of a content play and it was a video podcast. And can you maybe tell us, Jace, what you were covering at the time and <laughs> how, why you decided yeah. to take on video and try and distribute it in that fashion because you basically it's about the most difficult thing there is to do on the internet create video and then find a way to automatically send it to people <laughs> like it, it wasn't a, it wasn't yeah, quite man. as simple as just firing okay. up wordpress so we yeah look yeah so we have to jump in a time machine and go back that far and so it was a very different world then there was no youtube and things like that for us to you know to, to just leverage and publish your videos that way it was definitely hand coding xml feeds dropping it in an RSS reader and, and, you know, making sure it validates and all that sort of fun stuff and, and finding somewhere to host video back then. The upload times on ADSL were nightmares. So really um, me and a mate back in, in the day that started it was sort of just had seen a lot of other video podcasts from, from the US mainly. That's where a lot of them were coming out of. And we thought, well, there's, there's not a lot that, you know, that they're doing that we couldn't. It's just a matter of input and time and content creation. So we had the skills. I've got a multimedia background, so I was able to do that pretty easily, you know, film, edit, publish, that sort of thing. But the workload required to do that, to pull that off, we were publishing in SD, HD, MP3, oh, and a HD video back then was almost unheard of, right? In in full, H, full HD, almost nobody was doing it. So essentially it was like shoot for an hour, um, just talk crap about whatever tech stories that happened this week heavily motivated by, you know, Dignation and a couple of those. So we're drinking early days, but yeah. uh, then tidied it up a, bit, a little bit after that. And uh, and so it was just, uh, I thought there was an opportunity to tell stories about the technology we had access to, but then also, as I said, leverage the stories of the week too. So the job of editing was the brutal part of that because we were doing lower thirds and add-ins and that sort of stuff. And so the editing would probably take for an hour of a show, would take six hours of editing, and then the upload might take that again. So... It was an effort, but uh, you know, in the in the peak, we were getting sort of sixty thousand downloads, you know, per episode, which was back then was nothing to sneeze at. So it was it was quite cool. Uh, that opened the door to some more opportunities. But I found um, to go on another tangent is I actually started writing. I started blogging way back in two thousand five when Windows Live Spaces became a thing. Yeah, okay. And there's very few people probably use that, but I I kind of the reason I got into it was I started to write these emails to my family and friends, right. To just sort of say, look, you know, blast all emails. Here's what I've been doing. You know, we haven't touched base for a while and here's what I've been up to. And then more and more of that became technology. And so pretty soon the the blogging turned into, okay, well this needed to be a site of its own basically. And that's what generated the, you know, part of the idea of TechAU as well. So then over time, the the workload of the podcast became such that I could just, I found that I could just write more in the same time frame. 
So I sort of put more energy into that and then grew that side of it. And it just it just skyrocketed from there. Yeah, so obviously you're speaking my language when you're talking about the demands and complexities of a podcast. It's I, I don't think anyone's quite ready for the workload for any kind of podcast, let alone one with video. And one thing that's funny, and I'm really happy that we've now connected, Jace, because a lot of what people see happening online now, rich content, independent stuff that's on YouTube and the podcast stuff, a lot of that you can trace back that lineage to some of the really high-level tech people that don't feel as relevant to people now, but some of the early content plays on the web were by tech people, but not two guys arguing about their MacBooks in the basement. It was like Twit and like exceptional talents like Tom Merritt that's still big in the space and has crossed over into talking pop culture with TV and all those types of things. Was there extra pressure because the big genre in podcasting and particularly in the video was tech that you had to be even that much better maybe than if you were doing something else, like a different subject? Look, I, I kind of felt like there were there were times in the stories that, that I was covering that really lent themselves to video, right? Like you asked earlier about like what was I covering back then? Well, I distinctly remember covering the announcement by Google that they were making Android. Like okay, right. And and and, the, and and literally the first iPhone. Like so I, it sounds crazy now to go back that far, but that that's the kind of content I was covering back then because the, the industry was growing up back then. And now, what are we, iPhone 13? Kind of like it's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's been a long time and I've seen a lot of things come and go in the industry in that time. And it's, it's kind of cool, though, because it's so diverse in what we cover and, and technology is really spreading to every industry, as you know. That, that there's never a week that goes by where I think, oh, geez, there's nothing to write about. There's always something happening that takes my interest. And yes, more and more that's becoming maybe electric cars and renewable energy and things like that. That is, is definitely just wasn't on the radar five or 10 years ago. But, you know, car tech, it's, it was just a whole other area of the site that sort of came out of just it came out of nowhere and, and you put two of my loves, automotive and, and technology together and, and, you know, that just sort of happened by itself. So it was fantastic to see that. Yeah. So we'll definitely get to the car talk. Not that I'm a real big, car, <laughs> sure. not, not that I'm a big car person, but I am fascinated by the integration of technology into the car. Even when it comes down to things like the high level acoustic performance of modern building materials that they put into cars. Just things like that, it wows me. So we will get to that. But I just maybe if we could just stay back in the time machine sure. for a couple more minutes. So <laughs> did you, just as an individual, have any feeling about how big those moments were? Because I don't think it could be understated that between Android and the first iPhone, they were cultural moments that, have impacted now well they're going to impact probably for the rest of time really it was an inflection point in technology and a proliferation particularly with android to all socioeconomic levels did you have any feeling that you were witnessing a big moment in the moment look it's hard to get that perspective at the start right it's it's easy now to look back and go oh wow of course that was the starting point of it all but Back then, when someone makes an announcement, that's an announcement of maybe 20 that week, right? So companies say all sorts of ambitious statements, and they never come true. So you really have a a difficult time delineating between which ones are going to get billions thrown at them and and a serious, continued, relentless effort to win versus the transient, oh, okay, we'll give it a try and we'll say these things and they don't turn out and we, we go away or the product disappears or the company does. So when when google announced android i thought mm, interesting let's see how it goes when apple announced the iphone i thought and, and and you've seen it in action you're like that's very different than what we've seen out of a device before and very interesting the key for me was when the you know those uh, you know immediately familiar with the iphone story will understand the first iphone never came to australia it was only the iphone 3g and at the same time the iphone touch was coming out Oh, sorry, the iPod Touch. So I grabbed the iPod Touch because it was the first thing I could get. And when I put my hands on that thing, when I opened the box, I remember I was at Eddie's Tavern <laughs> and I opened it and I and I started, I turned it on and I started interacting with it. And this was a, it was one of the first 
capacitive touchscreens that I'd used. You know, most things at the time were resistive, which are still terrible. Um, you know, the postie might come and give you something to sign on and it's still resistive. You know, Pre-COVID, I guess they're all signing it for you now these days. But yeah, so so when I touched that iPod Touch and it, and, it, and it immediately responded to how my finger swiped across the screen, that in my mind, like, wow. Like, I mean, this is game changing. And that that's such a, a loaded term and everybody uses it wildly now and, and abuses that term. But it's like a step change in technology where like what you'd used before doesn't count anymore. It's like everybody playing that game is, is, is done. And, and then this is a new generation of what we expect. And I kind of got onto that mindset pretty quickly. Proof to that was when I went to a Microsoft event a few months later and I took it and I showed somebody from Microsoft and, and they were sort of promoting, you know, Windows Phone 6.5 or something at the moment at the time. And they laughed at the iPhone, you know, they thought it was a joke because it was a, uh, it was very expensive when it first came out and they thought nobody would buy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, they didn't get it, you know, they didn't get it. And probably those people are people who'd never touched it. Yeah. And as soon as you touch it, you realised. Chime and Mel, we're jumping in a few spots here. We haven't done this before, so. <laughs> Just said the way he was describing. Resistive. <laughs> that, that phone is like I've. Would describe some of my dates. The resistive touch. Just when you just open it up and it gets there, and as soon as you put your fingers on it, like he was genuinely excited about that. I would say, with the whole phone technology thing, I'm still resistive to it. I I can see how it is so important and how much of it's evolved, but I I still like the idea of being able to do a lot of stuff yourself. So (laughs) listening to him describe it like that was sort of cool, actually. I can't relate being that excited about a bit of technology, but I know you can because you often put these rando things on about getting a new pedal or something like that for music. Audio technology I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, so I can't relate to that at all. I love the phrase that he used, step change. Game changer. Yeah, not so much game changer. He didn't like that so much. He didn't like that. But step change where everything that had happened before doesn't matter anymore. And I feel like there's certain things in life. Yeah, correct. (laughs) Sorry. And it may be that way in the future too, but you're gone. So, (laughs) yeah, that piece of terminology really hit home for me that he's experienced and documented and been part of kind of quantum leaps in technology. He was there for the big modern one, which is mobile tech. Yeah, he's been there right from the start. Hey, and to be honest, I didn't know a lot of what you guys were talking about. I was very much the acronyms lost me a little bit, I will say. Yep. But even how far technology has come back from when he started is really good, sort of cool. So so we'll jump back in with Jason now. I'm learning, yeah. And we'll be back maybe with some more Chime and Mel further down the episode. Yes, hashtag Chime and Mel. It's always the narrative that we, we tell each other ex post that we understood something or we knew or we had some kind of foresight. I don't think it's ever that obvious in the moment because from memory, the the story around the iPhone that I've heard, and I think it was from one of the designers of the actual iPhone itself, was that they were most excited about an iPod that you could make phone calls on. Yeah, yeah. Like the music collection's there, but you can also make calls. And for anyone who's listening to this now, particularly if they're a bit younger, I think that making a call would be way down the list of anything you would think about doing with an iPhone. The fact that it's called an iPhone is For sure. pretty silly, really, because <laughs> no, <laughs> no one's using it yeah. that way. But even the visionaries that created the product, they probably didn't understand how much impact it was going to have on people's lives. I mean, that might be just speculation, but... <laughs> no, I, I 100% complete, completely agree with that. Yeah. When you consider what happened with the App Store... There was there was jailbreaking. There was you know so many third party attempts to try and get applications on that thing because there was like five applications on it when it first shipped. Right, it, you could you could do a lot, but not by today's standards. You, you know, it was a you, you, if you had that device in your hand today, you'd throw it in the bin. It was a piece of junk compared to what we've got today. And the thing that made the difference is when they unlocked the third party apps. When they turned on that app store, I mean, not only did they enable billions of dollars to come through the door. 
uh, by taking their 30% cut. But millions of developers across the world looked at that as a platform and said, should I build my apps for that? And we've seen what's happened since then. It's exploded. So the app store has been such a success on the back of a great device. The software side of it's really told the story in the last 10 years. It's fascinating that it's probably the first thing that people think about when they think of the access you have to the world is through the app store when you get the device. I mean, there's a lot of things that operate on there natively now that come with the phone, but it's really the fact that you can reach out and grab things that you're interested in from the app store that makes it so brilliant. And that wasn't there to begin with. It's just pretty strange in retrospect. So for sure. I mean, think of that, think of that concept of like, oh, you know, if you have a thought about, can my phone do this thing? Inevitably, the answer is yes. So how wild is that? That You could pretty <laughs> much have almost any idea and thought about, can my device do this? And the answer is yes. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's sometimes overlooked because we've had it for a while now. That you kind of become a bit complacent about how awesome that is. The fact that you can store, you know, crazy amounts of data on the, you know, the thing in your pocket and unlock your car or, you know, whatever it is with it. It's, it's just wild what we can do with these phones now. I was actually thinking the other day, I'm building, I was telling Jason before today's interview that I'm building acoustic panels. And I thought I better get some way to test these things that is a little bit more diplomatic than running it through all of my fancy microphones that enhance everything and signal processes and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if I can just get an, a, a reverb tester on my iPhone. And like, <laughs> I, I looked it up and there was 10 different acoustic apps. There was some that you could tune your room with that had the ability to recognize surround sound and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, there's 20 apps here that someone's, yep. that just for that one thing, how do I test a reverb in a room? And it's just, yeah, it's craziness. <laughs> so, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> just to maybe draw the line a little bit between the devices and where technology's at, and also TechAU as a creation in it of itself. How much of the writing are you still doing? Is there still video elements? Like, what's the creative like that's on the site at the moment? And what, are you, what tools are you using when it comes to technology to get that stuff done? Sure. So, almost never think about a piece of content in isolation. I think that always is going to be paired with a blog post because inherently that runs with advertising and then that makes me money. So there's a there's an invested interest in that. So even if it's a piece of video content that goes out to YouTube, that's going to get embedded in a blog post and then shared out through social media. So that, that technology is obviously WordPress site, then you've got to connect it to if this and that. So every time a new blog post goes out, it goes out through the social channels automatically. And, you know, that's that's a great workflow to sort of engineer that um, you can sit back and watch on, on analytics and, and watch the traffic flow in when those posts go out. So building the social audience, um, I don't just use it as a publishing technique. Like you see plenty of people do that. They just, it's a one-way street for them. That's not my idea of how social media works. It's a two-way street in a conversation. So you engage with the audience and respond to them. So that's that's been incredibly powerful. You mentioned that that's one of my strongest social platforms, and it absolutely is. And even way back in the day when Q and A was starting out, and they were throwing up hashtag on on the screen, you know, that was wild. That was never done before. And yeah, <laughs> so those kind of new techniques, or you get somebody's Twitter address on their on their business card and things like that. So it's it's. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's yeah, that's kind of the, the regular routine is that I always think about. A, having fresh new content for social, but generally it's the bigger stuff, the bigger thought pieces is blog post. And if it can be supplemented by photos and video, then I'll definitely do that as well. There's probably people thinking, you mentioned in there that it's generating advertising revenue. We don't have to talk about too much about what you do as a whole with employment or self-employment or whatever, Jason, but are you doing this on the side or is it... Or is this your main endeavor? I like to say I have multiple jobs. That's what I say. Regular <laughs> nine to yeah, <laughs> yeah. So so I do still have a full time job in IT, um, which is complementary, I would say, to what I do with TechAU because you know I've got to stay invested in in knowing the latest to cover it for for TechAU, but then also in the day job, then there's things that flow each way. But then come home, 
and then it's it's really nighttime weekends that sort of stuff that I'm investing into Tech AU, and and that sort of you know with scheduled posts you can write things ahead of time. I can write product reviews all the time, so it's it's a nice blend between the two, I would say. And then I'm always looking for new opportunities to to bring in passive income. So uh, whether it be sponsored posts or just different social stuff that we're doing with businesses that, you know, uh, gave away two copies of a of a movie last week, a 4K movie, 1917. So it's just kind of it's cool stuff like that that helps build the audience and and reward them too for participating in the things that we do and, and run on the site. So I've had guest posts over the years and I've had a few people help me write and build build their brand and so it's been pretty awesome to see that where people will come on and write some stuff for me and then use that as a resume builder for them and then they've gone on to to other writing gigs and that sort of stuff so i really like using the site for that te- technique as well to help you know new writers uh, that are need, looking for an audience like anybody can go and start a wordpress site today like you don't need me for that but what you can't do overnight is build the audience that i've got that's the difficult thing one thing that I guess intrigued me most about yourself after Benny helped make the connection as to that website and Twitter account was you <laughs> is the the fact that you have done it from a place, just like I've done all these podcasts, I've done nearly a thousand episodes of different shows over the years. I've done it all from a non-traditional location and I don't know whether Aubrey Wodonga is the tech hub of the Southern Hemisphere by any means. And it's certainly not the podcasting or comedy, which I also was doing up until COVID stand up. It's pretty much all Melbourne. <laughs> and I'm not sure yeah. where I'm not sure where the exactly the tech center of Australia is, but I'm assuming it's not some hill around Aubrey Wodonga with a radio tower on it. That's not that's not <laughs> that's not where it is. So Yeah, look that's that's very true. Look, it's it's Melbourne or Sydney is where most people are, right? In terms of technology and journalists and that sort of stuff. So when I go to events or have been to events in the past and, and you sort of have those conversations and inevitably you get to like, where are you from or where you're based? And, and they expect you to say Melbourne or Sydney. That's the sort of expected response. And you say Aubrey Wodonga and you're met with one of two things. One is, oh yeah, okay, I've heard of that or I've been there or whatever. And the other blank on their face, which they've never heard of it before. And so you've explained it's on the New South Wales. But, uh, it, you know, I like that as a point of difference. It helps actually people remember you. Uh, like people from companies and, you know, even something like you interview a CEO or something like that. And, and then you have conversations with them in the past and they, yeah, oh, sorry, in the future. And then they, you know, they definitely remember you out of a field of you know, 20 or 30 people that might've been there in the day. So it's, it's actually helpful in some respects. It's challenging. Obviously you've got an extra flight maybe to take, like when I've flown overseas, you do the Albury, Sydney, Sydney, you know, US or something like that. Um, so there's a couple of those kind of hurdles, but you know, because we do have the airport here, it seems that I can get to most things or I take the train down to Melbourne or you can get around. And anywhere with power and Wi-Fi, I can pretty much do the job. So, Well, I guess what it means, hearing you say that, what it makes me think of is that, and it's conversations I've had with musician friends mostly over the years, that the ability to network heavily may be location dependent more so than the ability to aspire to make the best thing you can possibly make. Like Melbourne and Sydney don't have, they don't have the patent on making high level content or something creative. Like there's, that can happen anywhere. And maybe the amount of people you can meet in the industry is limited being in Albury-Wodonga, but I've been trying to encourage more people to have, I guess, more confidence in the fact that you can create great stuff from anywhere. And you may have to do, as Jason, you were just saying, you may have to do extra legwork when it comes to shaking hands or sometime in the future shaking hands again <laughs> or, you know, being being feet on the ground in the industry, but it doesn't really have to affect the thing that you're making first. No, that's right. And look, I, I have to give massive credit to companies when I'm dealing with them for product reviews that even something like TVs, I've never told them my address to ship to and then they've gone, oh, no, we couldn't ship to there. Like they pay the freight to get it to me and get it back. Like regardless of, you know, so if, if I was in Sydney, it would be, you know, what, 50 bucks, 100 bucks or something. And then I'm sure the cost goes up three times that to get it to me in Albury-Wodonga. But I've never had somebody not give me a review product because of that reason. So that's, I, I do give them massive credit for that. That's huge. 
And so that's, I mean, points at part of the reason that I do what I do too, is I, I love technology myself and, and getting access to the latest products is a huge driver, a huge motivator to me because the alternative is I would have to buy everything that I want to ha have access to. And that's, that's an awfully expensive. So um, it's a great avenue to do that. And then having that opportunity to touch the latest stuff, I then feel kind of a great obligation to give my thoughts and opinions and tell people what it's actually like to live with these devices. So get hands on with them and then make recommendations as to whether you should buy or not. And I've noticed in the past when I have seen some of your Twitter stuff, you're not really in the business of just giving everyone a favorable review from what I can gather. <laughs> like Your brand seems to be, you seem to really let people know if you're trying to do this, this will be good. But if you want it to be this, it won't be, this isn't good. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably the most rewarding thing is if if I have said something and people go out and buy it and then they're like, hey, thanks, that's awesome, you know, like, I love it. You know, you said it was this and it was that and, uh, you know, great. I, I had a great time with that. I mean, reputation is a lot in this business and the second that you sell out and you say something that you is untrue, you know, like if you're being paid to say something, like that's that's – that's probably where people unfollow you and, you know, they're, they're annoyed with you to the point where they stop listening to your voice. And that's, that's pretty much everything you've got in this game is, you know, you're competing with a lot of others and, and trying to win eyeballs and, and that, that, that is only really achieved by having a, I guess, a reputation that says you do the right thing and you, you say the right things, you know, honestly, from a point of, of having used the products, understanding them, and what it's like to own them because what I tend to see a lot of is somebody will touch, say it's the brand new iPhone, right? They'll touch it for a day and they'll write a review about it. It's like you can't know that product in 24 hours. You just can't. It's and so that, that's pretty dis, – it's it's impossible. There's so many aspects to it. You can't do battery testing. You, you just can't say anything valid about it. You can give a first look or have done that f for sure, like your first opinion, and then you'd like – reflect on that in your actual review a week later and say, well, actually I was, you know, first impressions were wrong or right or whatever. But um, that, so I see that a little bit, which kind of frustrates me a little bit. That's a little dishonest from people, but yeah, generally I would just say that people are going to retweet your stuff. They're going to share it with their friends if they believe in what you say and, and like your recommendations and, you know, and, and as I said before, like I, I'm never going to be paid off and not be able to say what I actually think. So that's, the fortunate thing in running the own sh my own show is that I can make those editorial decisions. Whereas in other organizations, it's like, well, you better not say this because we've got this other partnership and relationship and a lot of dollars coming in the door. So, you know, that that's the kind of cool thing about what I do. And I never get stuck reviewing things that I don't want to like, Hey, you're the printer guy. And I just couldn't care less about printers. Yeah, no one likes printers. Chase. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, that's awesome, and I can't agree more with your stance on those sorts of things. If we can just talk maybe about products just for a sec before we move on and maybe talk about what's happening right now in the world with technology, Jason. The, sure. Is there any creative tool that's on your horizon, like that's come across your desk recently that you maybe think people don't know about? that local people, whether they're creative people or just everyday people might want to know about? Because I'm sure there's a lot of tech out there that would help people that they just don't have any way of accessing or knowing about. Chima Mel, we're back. Yes, we So are. you mentioned to me earlier that you found it interesting about Jace's, I guess, stance on people doing and accepting money for reviews. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to accept money a lot of times, but no one will give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> what are you revealing? <laughs> no one has Clearly not their wardrobe. a great review <laughs> when they've left. Anyway, continue with your question. Yeah, so I guess that, uh, that was my question. <laughs> was What did you think when you first heard that? Like you... Gave me the impression mm -hmm. earlier that you think it's a pretty awesome stance to have that positive reviews are earned, as in our product has to be good, they're not just paid for. I have this, well, it's a bad and a good habit of being very honest 
Like I not at the expense of someone's feelings per se, but I just think if you don't know the shit part of something, then you're going to be disappointed in the end, which is sort of what he was going down the thing of. And better to know now that it's shit and if it's your product, well, unlucky, but you don't want to spend all this money going off and marketing something that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And then for enough people to buy and go, actually, that's way more brand damaging if you had enough people buy something and it turns out to be crap. Correct. That's what I think anyway. Well, that's an awesome observation. <laughs> so um, on that note, like I'm pretty impressed by that. Yeah, I was. I mean, I knew that he was doing it because from what I've seen on Twitter over the years, I've always seen that you're going to hear the truth from him and yeah. there is no paying for reviews. That's good. With the... Just before we jump back in with Jason, he answers the question about everyday technology or something that, you know, might be for a creator or just your everyday person. What are you using? Would What, what tech would you say that you use every day that you think people should use more? Um, I use my brain, which I feel like no that's, one else can use that, so that's off the table. Um, and there's a whole swath of people that probably don't want to use it. <laughs> True. It's hard to manage it and is. operate. It's it, hard to be in the same room. It as. does not come with its own instruction manual. Yeah. Even I'm yet to download that. Yeah, she's actually sitting here writing the instruction <laughs> manual as we speak. <laughs> um, to be honest, the main thing that I use is my phone for everything. If I'm writing emails, if I'm like any of the weird photos that you see pop up that I, I've done that on my phone, like I do everything on my phone. I'm very adverse to technology. I don't love being chained to it at all. So if I can keep everything on one sort of platform, and for me that's a phone, then then I will. So I, do, I don't think I'm the right person to ask. No, but what you're saying literally encapsulates most yeah. of the conversation that yeah. Jason and I had had up until this point yeah. that post the iPhone and yeah. Android, the world was different and it's not unusual to live day to day now and live your whole life through your phone, whereas that wasn't always the case. It's a good and a bad trap. I think so. I I love it and I don't love it. I love the tech of it. I don't like the fact that a lot of the companies that are backing all the tech are doing it to steal your attention away from other parts of your life. That's true. So, yeah, we've all got concerns. So we'll jump back in with Jace now and he's going to tell us some technology that he Thinks is interesting. It's probably the best one to ask, really. I think so. And yeah. Why, what, what, why are we even talking? <laughs> exactly. Like I've got. We oh got, yeah. Well, for some tech insight, let's some... ask Mel, who can't even get our <laughs> buymeacoffee.com right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she doesn't even know what a URL are. What I URL can't, even, can't even say. Is that it. like a, an amateur version of the NRL? <laughs> even know what the URL, whatever it is, before yeah, you'll okay. say. So ask, please ask Jason. He's much yeah. more likely to be able to help you He's out. He's got more this. idea what our URL is too. That's it? Sounds like an SDI or something yeah, like that. Yeah, correct. We'll jump back in. <laughs> for sure. So, I mean, the one for consumers would be if this and that. So, ifttt.com. So, it's um a great tool to automate parts of your life. So, if Every time an email comes in with a certain phrase in, then it would like, you could do something unique with it. Like, you could, you know, just like in Gmail, you could like mark it as important or, you know, set up Outlook rules and those kind of things. But it's like that, but like times a million, right? So if you said, like, I want to have, every time it's going to rain the next day, I want to know about it so I can be planning for that in advance. Or my business is dependent on weather. So I need to know that it's an important thing. Then you could get emailed about it. You could get a message on your phone. You can do all sorts of smart stuff. So that's the sort of the consumer world. And there's, you know, maybe it's um, you get a message on your phone when your doorbell rings and, you know, that kind of stuff. But then you take that same idea and you apply it to business. And I would have to say in that respect, like Microsoft's Power Automate, it used to be called Flow, but it's now called Power Automate. And it's the same idea, but it's just with your business data and your business applications. And so you can have those systems talk to each other and anything that you do that is multiple steps can potentially be automated. So it really reduces your effort to, to achieve those tasks. Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard of if this, then that, but I I guess because I've always, the things that I've been doing, I've always treated kind of more like a craft. I like the hands-on step-by-step part of it. 
but I'm starting to get very overwhelmed with all the projects I have and all the content that I'm making on all these different platforms, and I might look into that, I think. <laughs> I think it's time. There will never be a replacement for the creative side of it, right? Yeah. But there's not there's not an added value in you spending hours to do things that could be automated, like tasks, you know, like moving this piece of data from here to here or, you know, uh, yeah, it could be like logging something in a spreadsheet. There's like every time this event happens, I want it in a spreadsheet. And you were doing that manually and you're like, well, I'm going to stop doing it manually and have this this technology or this service talk to this service. And it's just going to do it for me. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to report on it. And I'm going to create a great chart that looks at the data on the back end. But I didn't do any of the work. I didn't do any of that grunt work to, to make that happen. So that would be my tip. And then probably some of the most out there sort of forward-leaning stuff is I get a lot of press releases and a big part of that is understanding the important bits out of them and then digesting it, reformatting it into something I would call like human speak, (laughs) like taking out the jargon or just explaining it and like making sense of it and then writing the writing the important bits in a post and then making it visual with images and that sort of stuff. But there are starting to be the right tools in place that could help frame that now it would never be a situation where it is press release in the inbox and it goes to the website and it goes out live without me editing right but what it could do is it could take away like a lot of that effort that reformats and refactors that into a, almost an article and then i come in and add the last 20 percent. that's the sort of ai stuff that i'm looking at that would really help accelerate the amount of content i'm able to produce as we've talked limited time sometimes some days i do have a two-year-old as well so yeah okay. <laughs> um that's that's really kind of got my interest in in just that processing of a press release because what's really important to people in in um when companies send out new information about the latest range of products is you know it has to be australian and contextualized and that was part of why i started tech because everything in technology at the time was just us-based and so when when something's coming out we would never have australian release dates we would never have australian pricing and so so now that stuff is kind of common in the industry to get and to publish and it's big news when you when you first get it out so that's ultimately the race is to be first on news and so anything that speeds up that time frame between information getting into you and getting out to the public i think that can accelerate and enhance things so pretty keen to investigate that just on a complete side note, I'm pretty sure that when it comes to press releases in tech, that it sounds like that the engineer just yelled the, all the benefits or all the features to the marketing person who wrote it down and got half of it wrong. But, but they're like, uh, yes, yeah, 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 yes, so so completely true. <laughs> that is amazing analysis of it. But yes, yeah, very often that way. And it's interesting that. You you have to be first as the provider, but you also have to be accurate because the audience wants accuracy. It's not like you have to be first on who's going to make up the next story about the royal family. It's correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. how do you get the balance between curating the content and then editing and perfecting it, and also not rushing the actual accuracy yeah, oh. of the articles or whatever? Look, it, it's a rush. I mean, I, I am not uh, never not conscious of the uh, of of being first. That's it's something I can't avoid, and it's something that's always present in my mind. And I I have to admit that I I push things out probably before they're properly reread and edited. And the great thing about what I do is it's digital, so I can edit after the fact too. And, and my audience sometimes helps me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> usually typos and that sort of rubbish, which I actually don't think matters that much. There are grammar Nazis that will drive crazy, but I can I can very confidently say it doesn't go out with technical errors because I know the technology and I understand it. So, like, I'm never going to write something that's wrong like that. It's more about grammatical errors, which it should be right. It should be right 100% of the time. It's never going to be, I'm a human, get over it, basically, is kind of my <laughs> message. Because, I mean, that is the luxury that we have with the digital format is I can just alter it afterwards. So fixing mistakes is whatever it happens. We obviously both have scars from... <laughs> <laughs> so, Probably. Yeah, we might have to move on from that. So just before we finish up, Jace, just with the car, the elements of automotive and technology that you're most... It seems to be your passion, those two things, and also covering that particularly. How did that first happen? And 
I guess, can you just tell the audience a little bit about the opportunities you've had with automotive tech over the years? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, I would say the start of it really, it probably came from Ford's sync platform. So they invited me to a couple of events, eventually a hackathon where they had people trying to develop apps for the car. Like a tradie would go and do his job and then get back into the car and just use voice to sort of dictate what happened and then his job would be done and he'd be off to the next one. That kind of interface, it was very clunky at the time, but sort of gave you a quick preview of what was what they're trying to work on and what the future could be. And then obviously as the phones developed at the same time and Android Auto and Apple CarPlay really started to take hold and be supported by almost all the auto manufacturers, you kind of seen a big shift in the industry. Their infotainment solutions were really garbage. Nobody could really admit it because that's all they'd ever seen or, or they hadn't you know, a lot of users hadn't experienced anything else. And so they were like, oh, well, this just does its thing and it is what it is kind of thing. And it wasn't a buying decision, but now it absolutely is, right? There are checkbox features you have to have to really ship a car. People expect it these days that so they can get in, they can be connected while they drive, they could get notifications and messages and not get out with this big to-do list because you've dealt with a lot of things in your car. Now, there's entertainment like, you know, Spotify and streaming music and all this sort of stuff instead of listening to the radio. But, uh, you know, all podcasts exactly like this, right? You listen to it on a big drive and the drive doesn't seem as bad. Uh, so so the, I think that it's come a long way in terms of just the touchscreens got bigger and more responsive and nicer to use. Layer in voice. It's actually a pretty nice experience. Most voice interactions now. Uh, and then, as I said, those mobile platforms have really moved the needle a lot. But... Then you take it the next step, which is Tesla and what they're doing. I see that is software on wheels, which is absolutely the case. So their interface doesn't use Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And initially, I was really annoyed at that. I thought, well, that's crazy. You know, this is the best game in town. But after using it, after uh, it, it, you know, I like it a lot. I did add some more third-party apps, but in terms of the getting through the settings of, of, a, of a vehicle, customizing it to your user profile all of that is next level compared to anything else that's in the industry i've, re I've reviewed a lot of vehicles now i personally just like cars like i'd, I'd had a <laughs> i'd had a 2005 lancer modified it because i'd watch fast and the furious and love that sort of stuff so i, I kind of liked cars from from all that uh, my brother had, had you know grown up with my brother modifying his, his commodore and that sort of stuff so all that sort of was pretty fun. And then when technology combined with auto, it just really was two loves that I could write about, go off to events, get flown around the world and, and see different things. So it was it was kind of a great coming together of those two things. And and then now, probably a quick a quick story. I know we're getting to the end of the, the podcast, but a quick story I want to tell you about the Tesla, Tesla experience was the very first car that I got to review, like I went to a couple of car events and, and drove them, like the Mitsubishi IMEF and that sort of stuff way back in the day. But the very first car that I got to review was a Tesla P90D, like a Model S P90D, which is at the time was a quarter of a million dollars, right? It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I haven't really ever said this anywhere, but what I did to get that car was write an email to the head of PR in Australia with about four bullet points about what I wanted to cover and the things that I would write about it. Yeah. And they said, yes. Okay. Well, wow. like <laughs> that was the best reply of an email. You can't, I can't tell you how much I jumped and <laughs> fist bumped in the air. And that was amazing. And I got to have the car for a week. So I drove it back from Melbourne up to Wilbury Wodonga, showed it off to all my friends and family, filmed a video of their reactions, put that online. It's now got 1.3 million views, Holy moly. you know, all that sort of cool stuff. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's kind of the cool stuff where you go like tech, I use a lot of work. It's a lot of hours, but you can't pay to have those kind of experiences. Right. Uh, and so that, that's also a huge motivator of what keeps me going is those kind of cool things. But what I will say about reflecting on that experience is, is I knew cars were going to take a step change like mobile phones did that we talked about earlier. That car was different than anything else I'd ever driven. It was more powerful. It was faster. It was immediate. It was just, it was very different from the performance side of things. It was very different in terms of the interface, screen inside the car, but it was bloody expensive, right? So my question was how on earth, now that I love this thing, how on earth do I afford one? 
you know, and, and, you know, I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> I'm not buying a $300,000 car by any means. So then when the Model 3 was announced, eyes, eyes were kind of open a little bit and maybe there was a hope, a light at the end of the tunnel that maybe that's one that I could actually achieve. So, and then September last year, I actually did that. So, you know, I own a Model 3 performance now and absolutely love it. Would never go back to another, you know, internal combustion engine car. And what, the reason I write so much about electric cars now and renewables and that is is it, it is so clearly to me the way of the future for all of automotive transport. One by one, whatever vehicle you think of, it's going electric. It's just a matter of time and price. And then you layer in the autonomy story about that, that we're heading toward, towards a world where you don't have to drive anymore. And maybe my two-year-old daughter never gets a license. You know, that that's what's exciting to me is that this stuff is happening before our eyes and there's never been this big disruption ever in the, in the auto industry in our lifetime, certainly. And it may never be again. But the people at the top of the sales charts right now, the, the companies that sell cars now and are the top 10, will not be the same top 10 in 10 years from now. There will be winners and losers out of this battle. Even, <laughs> a, like, honestly, even as a non-car guy, I was quite riveted there. <laughs> so, <laughs> who, would, who would have thought you must be a good storyteller slash professional content guy? How, how convenient. <laughs> Righto, mate. Well, you'd hope I have something interesting to say after this many hours of yeah. <laughs> reading reading up about it, experiencing it, and covering it. So, yeah, no, I'm glad I could tell the story. So, I guess I didn't really – I did have a few things about Tesla, but we're probably running a little bit long, and my voice, for some reason, has decided it wants to start dying. So, we won't we won't talk about what's going on with Elon Musk as of today because Mel did, Mel did send me <laughs> – some things that he's said. I don't know if that's today or recently, but we'll move on from that. Yeah. And I'll just say overnight. <laughs> overnight. <laughs> so thank you, Jason, from techau.com.au. It's at techau.com.au on Twitter. Is that correct? Just at techau. Where did I get the. Oh, sorry. Like so Gmail includes techau.com.au because the wonderful world of the internet means that some accounts are already taken. So. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why. So at Tech AU. So on at Tech AU on Twitter. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, mate. And hopefully, if the the audience will go and check you out and follow along and get some real high level tech stuff. And I think it's pretty obvious from hearing Jace talk today that once again, not everyone that likes tech and wants to cover it is one of the two people that's arguing about a MacBook in a basement. So. There's interesting, funny, entertaining people out there that also like technology, so which is cool because I like to know there's at least a couple of them out there. So thank you, sir. Is there anything else you wanted to leave the audience with? No, just go check out the site. I hope you find something interesting. And uh, if there's not, let me know on Twitter. Okay. We'll take care and I'll talk to you soon, bud. No worries. Thanks, Josh. Cheers, mate. So, Mel, was that the type of interview you expected between two techie kind of people? I will say that I was pleasantly surprised and I learned a lot about tech and I will disregard my my view of what I would have thought that it would have sounded like to a positive one. Well, that's good. Yeah. Because, and I mean, don't... As, as I said in the intro, I mean, I had my doubts of like I used to work with and be the buyer of and in control of tech people and some of them were highly interesting and you some of them bought tech people. We would buy their services. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I didn't buy them as like slaves. <laughs> you just said I was the the buyer of. What I mean is I used to acquire them in my previous oh, role. You mean you hired them for the purpose of Correct. Doing for jobs. A tech job. Well, I, do you know what interested me about that the most was, one, this is such a resource that we've got sitting here in Aubrey-Wodonga. Yeah. And, two, how long he has been in this industry and I would bet my sweet aunt, who I'm not going to pick which Your one. Your sweet aunt. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pick which aunt I'm betting, but I would which bet. Which is the sweeter aunt? That's the question. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not picking which one I'm betting on, but I would bet that what would you reckon the percentage of people here in Aubrey-Wodonga know that this guy even exists? 
it would be pretty low and a lot lower than it probably should be since he's got nat- like national level credibility. Shame on us. The, I feel like this is a thing that happens a lot in Aubrey Wodonga and small towns where often you, because you're in a small town, there's not enough light shone on the fact that you have an ability. It's almost like you can't be anything because you are in Aubrey Wodonga. Yeah. So he definitely challenged and I was interested in technology after listening to that. I will say there was a lot of letters that was getting spilled at one point and I was like, whoa. All these letters, oh my God. I "I only just mastered the alphabet and then you're mixing it all up. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, that was probably a there was a lot of acronyms and there was yeah, but I was super interested in the stuff that he gets to he gets to do a lot. He does, and you only I think get to do a lot, particularly if you're from here in the Riverina. Essentially, I you're think you're fucking only, good at it. You have to be really good because you can't just shake hands and kiss babies. So, or as the expression goes, or whatever that is. I feel like you can get away with doing a bit around here, but definitely not on an international level. Unless you're really good at kissing babies. You'd want to be a good baby kisser. <laughs> we should probably move on from that as quickly as possible. So I'm just thinking now about how I really want to get if, uh, start kissing babies. If I had a baby, I would want people to not kiss the baby, but all but to buy the baby a coffee and for me to drink it. I would just like a coffee for myself. I'm not worried about the baby having one. <laughs> buy me a coffee at Punching Sideways. You will get this one day. <laughs> Go to punchingsideways.com, click on the Buy Me A Coffee button. It's on every page and you can buy us up to five coffees, which we've had a few come in. To be honest, you deserve to buy yourself a coffee after going through all that. All that tech. <laughs> to go. We didn't talk about coffee machines. It's a really missed opportunity for some integration. No? Yes, there is a missed opportunity. And if I was here being producer slash Chimer Mel, I yeah. would have made sure that that was reinforced. Yeah. Disappointed you didn't talk about Elon Musk. From memory, we got well. We went on tangents, obviously, yes. and then I think that there may have been a point where we were going to, but then we didn't. So, the thing about that is, if people and I hope you have just been listening, Elon Musk is in charge of Tesla. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And correct. Correct. <laughs> and he had just came out just before you talked to Jason about saying that Tesla shares were way overpriced. This is the C, the president of the company or yeah. CEO, whatever position he currently holds. Yeah. yeah, and I just I sent you that little bit of information and I found it quite amusing that he's um, downplaying his own company, I suppose, the he's share price. essentially saying they're overvalued. But what came out of that too from your talk and the way you guys were talking about the iPhone transition and that sort of stuff is that, Maybe he is projecting the value of what it should be because it's going to be a progressional thing and it will be like an Android phone or that where the price will come down considerably because now this is this is the technology that we're going to the, get used to. Yeah, the new standard. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well, what I took out of that. I think you probably know about as much as anyone, particularly people that work on Wall Street. They've got no idea what's going on. No. Nah, so I, I, they need to get some coffees off you. They definitely yeah. do. Buy me a coffee at punchingsideways.com. I'm going to have to create somehow that website. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for listening, guys. Thanks to Jason from Tech AU. He's got an awesome Twitter account and he posts lots of interesting things. And as we came up in the interview, he has a way of humanising tech that's pretty interesting for day-to-day people. Yeah, and he puts a lot of effort in. He does, a massive amount of effort. And that's also appealing to me as a like whether it's art or craft or both, he yeah. is both those things. So, can I just say one other thing? I really I can't stop you. <laughs> I really liked when he talked about not being a sellout, yeah, and not being able to be bought for a for a review at all. Yeah, and I I love that. Yeah, just so you know, if you want us to review anything you do, five stars on Skype. Please. Five stars on Skype. <laughs> Anywhere else going. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Punchingsideways.com to like, share, listen to, support the show. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Bye-bye.
So, Mel, was that as boring as you may have thought it would be? I will say now, on the record... You're off mic heaps. Shit. (laughs) You've fucked up again, Mel. Yeah. (laughs) How many times am I going to tell you, you know, we're recording this. The outtakes. (laughs) This will be going right at the end. (laughs) Right. 